And welcome back to Channel KRT, the podcast that looks back on obscure and nostalgic media, but most importantly, is also a Jamie Kennedy-free zone. I'm Tyler Green. I'm Kit Quinn, and boy, does the term mask have a wildly different meaning this year. I'm Randy Martin, and uh, just watched a cartoon about a cartoon. A cartoon about a cartoon about a cartoon about a cartoon. Oh, by the way, no, this episode is not about bonkers. Sorry. <laughs> oh, thank God. I hate that little fucker. And let's bring in our guest today. You know him on our Discord server and on social media as Blah6. Please welcome Robert Waldman. Welcome. You dragged me away from Shante getting deconfirmed in Smash, four Trails games getting localized in the next two years, and Dawn returning to the Pokemon anime for this shit. As a matter of fact, yes, I did. Yeah, you're coming with us. Come on. We're going to throw you in the river where the mask is, and then we're all going to become the mask. Yay. Oh, I'm not upset about doing mask stuff. Just this episode in particular. This is going to be one of our most self-indulgent episodes yet, because we are finally talking about one of my favorite things in the entire godforsaken universe, the mask. Yes! All right, so as our listeners more than likely know at this point, I may like this movie a tad bit, but most importantly, what is everyone else's relationship with the mask, starting with Robert? Before coming on this podcast, I wanted to prepare myself because I love the mask. Like, just Jim Carrey as a whole has been a bit of an inspiration for me growing up like i watched the mask uh, i don't know how long i think it was like sometime between 2000 and 2005 first time um i know i saw son of the mask in theaters that was a mistake oh so sorry man i was the demographic they were looking for uh young little kids and while i didn't scream and shit myself like i should have um It was not as traumatizing as people probably made it out to be, at least my dumb little self. Here's what I've noticed about us kids and the stuff we used to watch. We watched some scary fucking stuff, like Courage the Cowardly Dog. First thing that comes to mind, obviously, that shit had some horrifying imagery, and my chicken shit kid self loved it. And then I look back on it, and I'm like, how the fuck did this not scare the shit out of me? I don't know what it is. We're more scared of these things as adults than we are as children. Same with Grim Adventures. Like, I love it. I still do. But, oh, man. Like, I was just watching a bunch of this stuff, and I'm just like, well, I'm amazed I wasn't fucking shitting myself in fear back in the day, even though I was scared of things like Horatio from Sesame Street. If anything, I feel like me realizing just how shit yourself scary courage was made me appreciate it even more. Like, I love it even more than I did as a kid. Yes. And I mean, hey, it's getting so fondly remembered. It's getting a Scooby-Doo crossover, which about goddamn time. And you know what? Scooby-Doo, the mass crossover, when? Yes. So Scooby-Doo is Warner Brothers. Conjuring is also Warner Brothers. Scooby-Doo versus Annabelle, when? I mean, Scooby-Doo did do a crossover on Supernatural, of all things, so... Like death exists, Scoob? I'm going to super hell, Shraggy! Like Scoob, I think I've been possessed by Satan! (laughs) Scoob, what's Destiel? (laughs) So yeah, Robert, to add on to what you said, I too saw some of the mask in theaters. Ah. 
That was an experience. I'm not here to talk about Son of the Mask. You can listen to me on uh, Kid Flicks for that. But I did repress a lot of that movie because, for example, I straight up repressed the scene where, for context, Alan Cumming as Loki dresses up as Jamie Kennedy's wife and then the wife comes home and... Jamie Kennedy thinks she's Loki, so he starts, like, beating the shit out of her. Jeez. And this is played for laughs, by the way. That's right, kids. Loki is not a Disney character. I'm so disappointed the Loki series isn't just about him going through time and messing with things, because that would be so fucking amazing if, if somehow they could get the rights to do so. He just goes right onto the set of Son of the Mask and is telling Alan Cumming, No, that's not how you be Loki. he's just fucking giving him acting tips and everyone's just accepting it oh a real life norse god is on set just giving you know acting tips to the guy playing him this is normal (laughs) (laughs) all right so robert was there anything you wanted to say about your relationship with uh son of the mask um no but i would like to um make something extremely clear i would sit through the son of the mask two million times more then I would go back and rewatch every episode of the animated series. Really? Okay, you know what? You're wrong. The girls are <laughs> fighting! I mean, to each their own, but also, you are very wrong. <laughs> I wanted to quit. I watched the entire series for this podcast. I would never go out of my way to rewatch this show. There are good episodes in there. Don't get me wrong. Like, a lot of shows have good episodes. But this, it's so much of a slog, you'd swear you're walking through Putty Guy. You know, I will give you that and that a lot of the villains are subpar at best, especially the... Putty Thing of <laughs> Especially those motherfuckers. But we can agree on one villain. Pra, pra, pra. Pretorius. <laughs> You don't know how long I've been sitting on that joke, you guys. Oh my fucking god. Honestly, this whole episode I was watching it, I could not help but feel like if Pretorius looked an awful lot like Mr. Freeze did in the final season of Batman the Animated Series. He kinda (laughs) did, oh my god. It's like his edgy red and black recolor. Yeah, that's what happened in the alternate universe where Mr. Freeze stopped trying to save his wife. He just goes off and gets another one. I haven't seen the Master movie in its entirety. I've seen it in like bits and pieces so far I've been meaning to watch the whole thing. After this, go watch it in full, please. What service is it on? I think it's still on YouTube for free at the moment, with ads. Are you sure? Let let me look. WB is nice, but they're not that nice. Yeah, I'm surprised it isn't on HBO Max. Like, I was looking this weekend, and I was like, what? It's seriously not on there? Ah, Hulu Premium. Oh, you have to buy it. Oh my god. Oh, I can afford four bucks anyway. (laughs) So, from what I know about The Mask the movie, it's mostly just about Jim Carrey finding this mask and getting into shenanigans and, like, getting in trouble with the law and shit. Um, were there ever sci-fi supervillains in it that he had to defeat? (laughs) No, just a regular crime boss. You know, what's weird about the Mask cartoon is that while the movie was just so grounded in reality where you had this reality-warping Mask, you still had, like, a mobster who was 
open to kill anyone and everyone. And this is just shenanigans for the sake of shenanigans, and I kind of love it. But then they turned him into, like, a superhero? He kind of was a superhero in the movie, though. He was kind of an anti-hero. Yeah. He literally steals, like, bag of cash with a number sign on it. He's a little more like Darkwing Duck in a way, where he's technically the hero of the series, but he also has such antagonistic qualities, and it's what makes you love him so much, because it's like, he's not just some boring, bland, oh, I just gotta save the day. It's like, Fine, I'll do it just because it's fun for the cartoony shenanigans. <laughs> no, no, it would be like if Cusco was the mask. Yes. <laughs> oh, Shout yes. Shout out to Micah. <laughs> Me and Micah just bro-fisted from, just mentally we just bro-fisted. You astral projected to each other using your hyperfixations. <laughs> Speaking of hyperfixations, another thing that just hit me, if somehow rights weren't a thing... We would have gotten Gonzo as the mask by now. Yeah, or Fozzie! Oh, man, yes! Yes! <laughs> oh, hell, Gonzo wouldn't even need the mask. He could just literally hold it, and he'd instantly get its powers. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna eat 50 tires instead of just the one. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody stop me! Camilla, stop me! All right, so Kit, what's your relationship with the mask? Alright, so it's actually kind of funny because it's been one of my favorite comedies since I was pretty much a kid. I've loved it ever since. I did see Son of the Mask not in theaters, but in a classroom because we do all these film Fridays and- What teacher? What teacher in the holy unholy hell would show you Uh, that abomination i mean it was a teacher who didn't really know what the kids were actually into so she just picked whatever random film like we watched that terrible monkey movie from 1996 ed and in addition you know how bad son of the mask was Looking back, I think I considered Cat in the Hat 2003 a cleanser. I would consider Cat in the Hat 2003 a solid cult classic. You know what? No argument there. At least that one has its moments. Let's look under the hood. I'm not saying Cat in the Hat 2003 isn't also bad. It's just that that one at least has some genuinely funny moments. And at least it's kind of a bizarre kind of quotable. Son of the Mask is just pain. Pain. Some of the things that Mike Myers' cat does or says is just so out of nowhere that you can't help but laugh. Who was expecting the cat in the hat to get not only smacked in the nuts with a baseball bat, but then also be on a swing singing easy like Sunday more? It's just so out of- As an adaptation, the cat in the hat 2003 is complete dog shit. As its own movie, it's a lot of fun. It is. At the very least, I can vouch for, like, the ending where he's cleaning everything up. Um, I can vouch for that being, up like, a good moment, like, separated from, like, the potentially outdated humor and all that stuff. I can't vouch for Son of the Mask the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Son of the Mask, have you guys seen Jamie Kennedy's videos on how he got roped into Son of the Mask? Oh, so he didn't do it by choice or by his own agent, yeah? So even Jamie Kennedy was like, yeah, no. (laughs) At first he was, but then he said, you know what, fuck it, it's $80 million. It's probably going to get sequels, so I'll just go ahead and do it. 
It blew up in his face, and now his career is a complete shit show. And regardless, Jamie Kennedy can get fucked, so. Yeah, and of course he bitches about the critics anyway, because he's that whiny a bitch, but. Wee, why do people keep canceling me over being in that Roe vs. Wade movie? I'm gonna make a documentary about how much people hate Son of the Mask just to show that I'm not crazy. I can handle criticism. I'm Jamie Kennedy, and I'm a good person. God. You want to know what's not a waste of money? Uh, if I were to big all those funds and put them somewhere else, it'd be in the only worthwhile, edifying version of a movie, like a comic-accurate version of The Mask. Yes. Agreed, yeah. Like, a lot of these fan films have been like, okay, we left zero budget, but... Like, I saw this one that looked really good and promising, like, some kind of pitch to a studio about, like, how they could pull it off. It's like this guy got the masks because he wants revenge against these guys. Oh, Revenge of the Mask, yeah. I, th- I think it was, I don't know, but, like... Well, no, Revenge of the Mask was supposed to be, like, a soft reboot. It wasn't canon, but still it had Dark Horse's blessing. For what it's worth, they were both really good fan films until Dark Horse decided, no, we don't want this anymore, we're gonna make our own mask properties. And then they didn't make their own mask properties, so eat shit, Dark Horse. And I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, like the super cartoony Jim Carrey one is great. But we have that, and we have it, like, readily available. So why not give a comet-accurate Dark Horse similar really good effects, but just, like, make it dark and edgy, as it's probably the only thing that you can make dark and edgy and actually have it work. Yeah! We've had Deadpool. There's no excuse at this point for them to bite the bullet and make a comic-accurate mask. With the right writer and director team, it could be perfect. Like, James Gunn would do an amazing job. Yes! Just don't let Zack Snyder near it. He'll make Edge City Edge Lord City. Oh, (laughs) God. Either a comic-accurate movie directed by James Gunn or um, an animated series reboot in the style of the Harley Quinn animated series would be right up my alley. (laughs) <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Or or an animated series in the style of Invincible. Oh shit. I have not seen that yet. Me neither. I, I still got to see that. You're in for a wild ride, man. I'm not going to spoil it, but goddamn. Yeah, to be fair, the mask in and of itself could be its entire own podcast. Like with the two movies, the animated series itself and just like how much other topics there could possibly be like it could be easily like a 50 episode podcast or something all right so back to the animated series so i actually knew about the animated series but i kind of dismissed it for years i didn't really actually go out and seek it because i kind of began to associate animated series based on a really popular comedy movie with a few exceptions i kind of found most of them be kind of Meh. Like, I didn't care for the Bill and Ted animated series. I didn't care much for the Dumb and Dumber series. I found out of all fucking things, I mentioned this in the Back to the Future episode as well, but I found out there was a fucking problem child cartoon. So when are we getting a The Good Son cartoon already? What's next? Child's Play? (laughs) 
So yeah, in a lot of ways, especially after seeing Back to the Future, the cartoon, I gotta say that I was pleasantly surprised by how much I really ended up liking this series, especially after Tyler editing a lot of out of context clips from it. Like, it's definitely not a masterpiece. It definitely has some slow moments and it kind of has its kind of hit or miss villains. But I was surprised how pretty good the animation is. Rob Paulson is a great mask and overall I actually do really enjoy it and it has a lot of quotable lines and honestly I'd even say I like it even more than the Back to the Future cartoon which I did like but I felt like it did kind of slow at points so. I feel like it's kind of unfair to compare it to the Back to the Future cartoon because like the mask isn't as iconic as Back to the Future, so it's a little bit harder for the cartoon of Back to the Future to live up to the movie version of it. With the mass cartoon, there's more creative liberties because you're working with a literal live-action cartoon character. Yeah. The possibilities are endless. I kinda, as much as I did enjoy this, I do agree with Kit that it was, I felt it was a little slow compared to the movie because it's like, you know, when you put a cartoon in a cartoon. The movie itself was a little bit slow at times, but it still found ways to pace comedic timing without the mask, at least, which is one of the things I love so much about it. And I was going to say, I do think I kind of like the Back to the Future cartoon better than it, honestly. Randy, you have five seconds. <laughs> I suggest you run, and you run fast. I- <laughs> Let me save you the trouble. I'll probably feel the exact same way once I binge that. (laughs) You know, going back to the Cusco comparison, I actually would say that this series is definitely kind of on par with The Emperor's New School because I'd say that the series overall definitely has its slow points and it's definitely not going to quite live up to such an iconic comedy, but overall I do still enjoy it. Yep. Yeah, agreed. So now I can finally get into my history with it. Yes. (laughs) Now sit down, kids. I am about to tell you a very important story. Once upon a time in a movie studio far, far away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so basically with the mask, uh, I have this core memory of it just being like one of me and my dad's favorite movies because he was the one that showed it to me. Because I think it was on TV one night, and he said, Hey, why don't I just show my kid this pop in front of the TV for an hour and a half? That was a good idea on his end, because look how I turned out. (laughs) It's the only good decision he ever made. It always starts when you're a kid. I'm just gonna check out this video game. I'm just gonna check out this movie. And now it's your life. And I mean life. (laughs) (laughs) You see, what's funny about my relationship with The Mask was that I associated it with the movie for the longest time, and it wasn't until I got into middle school where I finally was able to read, like, the comics and stuff, where I realized, God, this is really fucking good. Yeah. Like, the movie was fucking good, but this is, like, even crazier. Everybody knows at this point that the comics are, like, drastically different from the movies itself, but for what it's worth, I still really love the movie. Like, yeah, there are aspects of it that didn't quite hold up in today's standards, but still, Jim Carrey really gives it his all, and I can see why this movie 
became as popular as it did because like there are just so so many iconic moments with not only Jim Carrey but like Peter Rigert as Kellaway and Milo the dog who's a very good boy by the way oh my god yes Milo is the best he is there actually was a brief period where I was kind of dismissive of the cartoon because I thought oh it's too silly it's too stupid and I was just too critical of it and I think when I was on Kid Flicks when we did the Son of the Mask episode I might have said that the animated series sucked I wish I could go back to 2019 and tell my past self to get a fucking grip (laughs) and I would go back to 2019 and uh, slap you in the face the (laughs) new you and say yes you were right back then don't take it back no stop we're from the further 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 future what he does is fine it's you it's what you do that's about to mess up the timeline what is this the end of the back to the future video game So do we want to get into the episode? (laughs) We do, but before that, I just want to thank our listeners for once again taking part in the viewer's choice poll because this was not an easy decision. No, it was not. (laughs) I do want to shout out the other three episodes that we had on that list, which one, let me pull it up real quick. I remember it was Little Big Mask and Flight is a Feather, the ones I recommended. Which were both good choices, by the way. I'm actually surprised Flight as a Feather didn't win, considering that is literally the most controversial episode of The Mask. Me too! The reason why it's banned is because this stripper that the mayor had a thing with, uh, I'm not even kidding, uh, well, I think it was, they referred to it like as like a PG version of that. Uh, Mr. Mayor, it's that strip uh, exotic dancer you were dating. Get her out of here before she ruins my wholesome image. So they had her come along and literally like she's naked but covered in dynamite. <laughs> and just like, it's like a suicide bomber. <laughs> and then the mask just like, one of those speedboat motors just like takes one of them. It's like, and then she just like starts spinning around. And then she ends up naked in front of Callaway and Doyle. And that's probably why it got banned. This should have just been an adult cartoon on Fox. It really should have. And, and all of that is for getting his lucky feather back. <laughs> I mean, I did see that the series was airing on CBS, which was the same corporation constantly trying to keep the Weird Al show from being what it wanted to be, so... (laughs) God damn it. Today's lesson is, stop putting your shows on CBS. Yeah, yeah, don't put Scooby-Doo on there. (laughs) I also want to shout out the episode Channel Surfing, which almost won. It was kind of neck and neck with this one, because it was second place with the other episodes, and... Come on, that episode had a Barney parody. No escape! Funny enough, I also had nothing to say about that episode either. Well, nothing, but I have like a couple of notes. But I guess the only other one would be Little Big Mask, which I guess the main reason why is because it prominently features the TV show version of Peggy, which is kind of different from the movie one, and might I say a major glow up in the design department? I mean, in terms of Peggy as a character, I have very complicated feelings because as people might remember in the movie, she initially double-crossed Stanley by giving him into Dorian and his crew. But in this, they're friends now? They literally mention it at the first episode, like, Okay, okay, so I sold you up the river to some mobsters once! Can't we put that behind us? And she sells him out again in that episode, and a couple other times in the series. For what it's worth, Peggy Brant is a good character, but Stanley... 
you can do so much better, my man. For what it's worth, I kinda wish they would've left that death scene in with Amy Yazbek getting thrown into the printer or whatever. <laughs> you can see it on the Blu-ray if you want to, but I'm glad that at the very least she's in the show because she's, at the very least, better. In addition, Tina isn't in this series, so... Yeah, consider that the elephant in the room of the Mask fandom. <laughs> They never really explain why, despite them kind of acknowledging that the events of the movie were canon. They never even mention her by name once, despite the fact that... That's what confuses me. The Coco Bongo is a major plot point of so many episodes of this show, and we never see Tina ever in the show. I don't know why. Oh, baby, they're playing my song! And they use every use that like two or three times. I... That's what happens when you watch the entire show. You pick up on repeating scenes. Yeah. Another one is where Putty Thing transforms into a snake and he checks off, ooh, that's a new one, twice. My assumption with them not getting Tina back is probably because they just didn't want to pay the rights to Cameron Diaz's likeness. But also part of me just wants to know what the hell went down between Stanley and Tina. At the end of that movie, they have their happy ending. I can imagine it. I'm sorry, Stanley, but I gotta go to DreamWorks. I gotta get a really big role in Shrek. Sorry. I'm sorry. There's there's another green guy in the picture here, Stanley. I'm gonna have to cut you out. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. (laughs) <laughs> she has a green fetish let's be real <laughs> oh. quick little trivia note the intro of the masks animated series actually features clips from the first four episodes oh yeah, yeah i noticed that and only the first four episodes even when they go to season two and three where they change the song for the worse i might add they just keep the exact same clips but rob paulson uh, sings it a little bit differently it's sort of like the same as hey pachuco except not all right so let's get into this week's episode bride of pretorius you know honestly i am so glad this was the winner because this is one of the really interesting episodes in that stanley doesn't have the mask for the majority of it. And that is what I think is the biggest problem with it. (laughs) Really? One of the big problems, at least. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't say this was my favorite episode. It definitely does have, well, I'll say what my big problem was when it kept it from being one of my faves. But, you know, overall, I thought it was still a pretty solid episode. It has a lot of really fun scenes. And later on, when we do see, well, spoiler, Eve with the mask. She's really fun, I gotta say. Oh, man. Somehow Eve with the mask is even hornier than Stanley with the mask. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll comment on that later. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. There's a moment when she has the mask that I have to bring up. Oh, man. Yes. (laughs) All right. So the episode starts off with Stanley at the Coco Bongo Clearly trying to get laid. And then Pretorius walks up with his PKE meter and just like, okay, no, that's not it. No. Oh, before that, you know what? We need to mention, at long last, this is the first KRT topic where we talk about Tim fucking Curry. Oh, yeah. I am so glad that they weaseled Tim Curry into the mask somehow. Yes. Thank the Lord, because Pretorius is such a great fucking villain, I think. 
Yeah, I'd argue the only good villain. Yeah, fair. And spoilers, he does get the mask in an episode. They literally just say fuck it in one of the first episodes of the first season and just give him the mask for a few minutes. And it's fucking glorious. You know, I forgot that Pretorius was a reoccurring villain. So because I was looking on the Wikipedia page and when I saw that Tim Curry got second billing, I was like, wait, but he was all, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love him and he deserves it. But why is he only in one episode if he's got second building? And I was like, ah, he's just that good. (laughs) I'd like to offer an explanation for that. Um, He was absent for a lot of season two. Ah, okay. Yeah, he returned with a lot of appearances in season three. Then again, that was like eight. Eight or nine episodes, so yeah. Again, rightfully so. Yeah. Also, when the mask comes up and he and Pretorius are having their little fight, I'm just gonna say it, there was some homoerotic shit going on there. He has no head, and then he puts the ventriloquist's head on it. There, much better. (laughs) And he looks like fucking Morty from Rick and Morty. (laughs) I was half expecting the ventriloquist dummy head to start moving, along with what Pretorius was saying. Oh my god, that would be amazing. (laughs) It's Howdy Doody time with Pretorius. <laughs> when are we getting a Howdy Doody spinoff with Howdy Doody voiced by Tim Curry? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we should mention too that Pretorius is sort of like this humanoid cyborg that is able to detach his head, and his head has like these spider legs that are actually really creepy. I don't know what he is. Is he a cyborg? Is he a robot? Is he an alien? He's Pretorius, that's all I know. I wasn't kidding on the Mr. Freeze reference earlier, because they literally have him also be moved around by a robotic spider form, like in the thing or something, like Mr. Freeze did. Yeah, Kit, I don't know if you saw the episode I was talking about where Tim Curry gets the mask. Oh, yeah. But he gets it in his headless form with the spider legs. Looks something straight out of an anime. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then he breaks out the uh, specific, like, exosuit that is supposedly great at tearing the mask off (laughs) and you wonder why didn't this reappear at at any other point yeah (laughs) i mean i will give it this in that the gag where pretorius is trying to take the mask and he keeps ripping off all these different masks (laughs) and then it cuts to just stanley oh no and then he rips it off he's like psych and then he's richard nixon (laughs) because children will definitely understand that And not goofy. I am not a hulk. You know, I guess now is a good time for me to say this really spicy take, but I kind of prefer Rob Paulson as the mask more than Jim Carrey. Oh! Okay, so Randy has this murder face right now. Oh, if I had a webcam, I'd have a murder face too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listen, you guys were saying that the animated series was worse than Son of the Mask. never said such things. Y'all need to sit down. I only said I like Back to the Future better. I never said nothing about Son of the Mask. Yeah, you sit through all the Putty Thing and Fish Guy episodes and then you tell me it's worse. (laughs) Okay, what's worse? Putty Thing and Fish Guy or Baby with Three Penises? And Smask Sperm. Putty Thing and Fish Guy, without question, no contest. I mean, as someone who's never seen that, I'm gonna go with Baby with Three Penises. (laughs) Let's just say Mario is the only one that knows how to use Flood. (laughs) Okay, so as I was saying about Rob Paulson, he really, really sells it as the mask. Especially considering that the producers originally just wanted him to directly rip off Jim Carrey's performance. 
There's a story that I think Tim Curry told where he got into an argument with the producers about him not acting enough like Jim Carrey. And Rob Paulson said, if you want Jim Carrey, you can get Jim Carrey, but he's too expensive. So instead you have me. So let me do this my way. Yes, that was pretty badass. (laughs) And I am so glad that he said that because his version of the mask is on another planet entirely. Like he is just able to just sell the wacky eccentric type that the mask is while getting the character of Stanley Ipkiss down as well. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying Rob Paulson does a bad job. He does a great job, and I love it. But to tell me that he's better than Jim Carrey is like to go up to a Southern Baptist preacher and tell him that the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. Randy, is this your way of saying you're going to mark David Chapman me? (laughs) Maybe. I'm not saying Jim Carrey was bad. For what it's worth, I still love his performance. Nobody could rock that as good as him, despite the fact that I think a mask sequel could work without him. But again, that's not going to happen. And uh, to quickly bring up something in regards to something related to Rob Paulson, an episode of the Mask Animated Series features the characters known as the Goofalata Tots that are obviously an Animaniacs ripoff, and I just love that they did that. Yes. And now the Mask and the Animaniacs are going to be in Space Jam 2 as background characters. Yeah, and unfortunately, Mask ain't going to be refereeing the match, which is literally the worst decision I've ever heard. Right? Okay, I'm sorry. I know I've had a couple rants tonight, but you have the Mask, this character literally inspired by the Looney Tunes, and... I don't even think he's going to have any lines in this. How do you not have him interact with literally the characters that are the reason he was created? At least the Jim Carrey incarnation, but... Imagine the chaos. Yes. That is why I'm not going to mark David Chapman you anymore, because I agree with you. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, they have the um, budget, I guess, to have Porky Pig rapping, but not this. Oh, God. I'm probably going to be disappointed when I go in that theater. If Porky Pig is what kills the mask as a franchise again... I'm going to go postal. I'm just saying. (laughs) You could thank the executives for that because I'm pretty sure no director alive would ever want to do that. Hi, hey, Warner Brothers. Why do you keep trying to milk Game of Thrones when everyone hates it now? I mean, it's not like Warner Brothers would kill a franchise based on the decision of others, right? Right? Sorry, the obvious mugging, I didn't quite catch what you're referring to. So the mask wins with the old bomb and the plunger trick. Bugs Bunny perfected it, I'm sure. Hell yeah. And also stretching, because this isn't a fetish series, this is a fetish philosophy. Dude, we've only just started, Kit. You want to talk about fetishes? Literally the next moment, Pretoria says, Your powers are bizarre, unpredictable, and beyond the realm of science. And if you were a woman, I would marry you. So, Pretorius, bye. You want to know why millennials all have weird fetishes? The shit. (laughs) I am genuinely amazed that I haven't seen any Pretorius slash mask fanfiction. And believe me, I've seen some shit in the mask fandom. You want to talk about fetish starters? Look at Totally Spies. (laughs) That said, the better. So the next scene is Stanley sitting at home talking about the comet to Milo. Milo. 
All dogs are good. Especially Milo. Oh my god, I love this dog. He's so sweet. Part of the reason the movie was so successful was because of Milo alone. Changed my mind. I also love that he's basically kind of to Stanley what Penny is to Inspector Gadget, the one that basically keeps him together, so. Well, Penny doesn't have the gadgets sometimes because Milo, well, not regularly, but sometimes wears the mask in this show, too. And those episodes are always great, I'm not gonna lie. You know, I will say that another thing I like about this episode, I don't know why, but the idea of a villain using a dating service just cracks me up, and I don't know how to explain it. Oh my god, the dating service. (laughs) Haven't been on a date in three years. Your only companion, a dog. Call the Desperate Loners Video Dating Service. I've seen stupid videos where people are literally naked doing fucking sexting over the internet. (laughs) That was more riveting than this shit. Watch actual dating videos from like dating video organizations from back in the 80s they're genuinely entertaining i promise they are not as dull as the series makes it look out to be also um it turns out stanley's an incel (laughs) i mean he kind of was in the movie too with the nice guys finished last bullshit you printed one of my letters last year remember nice guys finished last you're mr nice guy (laughs) yes I mean, at least he's not one of those, duh, why won't girls go out with me? And it's more that he's really nervous to ask girls out, but yeah. Yeah, because he's talking with Charlie, who is arguably even more of an incel. Yeah. So what you're telling me is the mask is literally the Chad. Like, Charlie was bad in the movie. He's even worse in the show. Oh my god. Yeah, I'd just like to say, fuck Charlie. Fuck him. Seriously. I also gotta say that it is really goddamn ironic to me that the mask is like utter anarchy and meanwhile Stanley's working for a bank and I'm just like, there's gotta be some commentary in there about Stanley slowly moving away from capitalism when he's the mask. Not to mention he would always get on Mrs. Peenman's shit when he was wearing the mask, so he's also anti-landlord. Hell yeah! (laughs) It's a model for when you start from moderate neoliberal to full-on ANCOM leftist. When I'm thinking Mrs. Peenman, I'm remembering that episode where he was infected with a love potion and fell in love with Mrs. Peenman. Oh, no. Yeah, I've seen every episode. I can literally name him off the top of my damn head, and I don't (laughs) want it anymore. So the mask is not only anti-capitalism, anti-landlord, he's also ACAB, because he also fucks with Calloway and Doyle, which in all fairness, fuck Calloway. All Calloways are <laughs> bastards. In the comics and the movie. You married her! <laughs> <laughs> he literally called Calloway a cuck right to his face. <laughs> the mask's just, like, pulling down this thing. He says, as you can see, I have made you the soy jack and me the chad. Therefore... I have one. <laughs> Apparently now Stanley is interested in comets for, out of freaking nowhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he's talking about how he wants to have a date to see the comet Siva, which is this week's plot point. Milo, apparently you're not enough for me to see this <laughs> comet with. Stanley, he's a dog. Please go find a woman. So, yeah, Stanley's complaining about how he can't get laid to his other incel friend when the love interest for this episode, Eve, shows up. Yeah, short for Evelyn. Evil Endeavor. Ah! 
Ah, uh, I love that movie more than the original. Yeah, that's fair. So they kind of set it up kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. It's very similar at first to how Goofy and Sylvia are an extremely goofy movie, only not quite as adorable because Evelyn is so shy and scared. You want to know what the interaction reminded me of? Um, I never seen the movie myself, but like the 1970s Carrie movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> like just like when the, uh, the boy is asking Carrie out, like that exactly what it reminded me of. So, is this not the plot of Carrie, then? Does Carrie not essentially get the mask? <laughs> yeah! Then it really would have been like the comics. I mean, she was in a Friday the 13th movie, so... <laughs> Pretty sure those two were in a Chucky movie. It's all connected, just give Carrie the mask! <laughs> so, yeah, we meet Eve, and she's... Somehow even more socially inept than Stanley. I mean, she wants to open an account for her dog, so she's got to be rich. Oh, shit, it's the lady from the Aristocats. <laughs> uh, yeah, whenever I think of uh, dogs and uh, owners getting together, I think of the best example of that, Scooby-Doo and the Alien Invaders. Yes. <laughs> oh, also 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. So then Stanley decides to ask her out, and then he finds out that she brought Esmeralda over. So he's like, Milo, please, please, please like her, please. By the way, uh, the dog is also extremely neurotic. It's like a poodle, but the thing is, that's kind of weird for a poodle. Like, if it was a chihuahua or something, I'd get the, like, constant shaking and trembling, but it's a poodle. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Like, I was trying to think, there's a dog breed that I'm trying to remember that, like, acts like this. It's a chihuahua! What am I thinking? Poodles are one of the most, like, relaxed dog breeds I've ever met. I don't know if toy poodles are the same, but every like standard or medium poodle I've met has been one of just the most calm, friendliest dogs I've met. This poodle is acting like a chihuahua. <laughs> so what is going on at Eve's house that this poodle is like this? <laughs> I guess it's supposed to be a similar case of what Stanley and Milo are, as in the dog is supposed to be similar to the owner. No, no, no. Um, Eve reads uh, the dog Fifty Shades of Bow. Wow. <laughs> uh, I guess they didn't want to have her like be a crazy cat lady because then it would be weird for Milo to crush on the cat, I guess. I don't know. Also, don't forget when Stanley comes in, Milo's changing the channel on the TV and you can hear, coming up next, Friday Night Co-Ed Mud Wrestling. <laughs> Ah, the 90s. Damn it, I missed that joke. I was just looking for the sports channel, Gary. <laughs> and so then, basically, Eve ends up losing her glasses in Velma fashion, and then, guess what happens? She finds her glasses and puts them back on, and their date goes smoothly. Yay! Oh, uh, yeah, just before we move on, what the hell are pork rinds? Honestly, nobody knows. I've never had pork rinds. Just the concept of them are disgusting to me. Well, I mean, it tastes good. I've had it before, but I will turn you off to it even more and just tell you that it's pig flesh. Yeah, um, I'll take baby back ribs any day. I think pork rinds are good for like a quick little snack, but I don't love them. And again, they are flesh, which is weird. All right, so it's time to get to the fetish discord. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so let me preface by saying that a woman wearing the mask has happened before in 
the mask universe. It's happened several times in the comics because Stanley's girlfriend in that wore the mask and then another character in The Hunt for Green October. Yeah. And to bring it back to uh, the animated series, uh, Peggy wears it near the end of the show. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was a really fun episode. Yeah, because she starts simping for Kellaway and she tries to marry him. (laughs) At the very least, that would get him out of the way and be just a drunken-ass house husband and not have to deal with a mask anymore. You would think that that situation would enlighten him to the fact that, hey, maybe Stanley Ipkiss isn't the man. <laughs> no. Um, no, it just leads to awkward shit about just him questioning his sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as we mentioned, Eve gets the mask, and like I said, she's somehow even hornier than Stanley with the mask. She does, like borderline unethical things here. Amy Rose would tell her to cool it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, one of the things I'm not really that much of a fan of in terms of the Mask movie is how Pepe Le Pew-ish the Mask could get if you catch my drift. And I think that's kind of evident with Evelyn here as well. Yeah, it... I'm going to say that it wasn't quite as, haha, it's funny when it's a guy, as I expected, because they do have a scene where Stanley's like, oh, she loves me in this form, so I guess he's kind of maybe just nervous, but at the same time, I'm like, eh. The 90s, making you question if you ever liked anything. Yeah. Well, it's kind of going by the movie's continuity and that the mask is supposed to bring out your innermost desires. And in this, Eve is just super repressed in her sexuality to the point where once she gets the mask, she is just extremely hypersexual. But, good lord. It's basically the Catwoman transformation. That's what it is. It really is. Jesus, she makes Catwoman look like a fucking Mormon. Wait, uh, which one? Michelle Pfeiffer. I was gonna ask if you meant, like, Halle Berry. It's just like, <laughs> oh, God. No, the Halle Berry one was just straight up a furry. Because, like, she started acting like a cat, too. <laughs> Good God. Also, I know suspension of disbelief is a thing, but how did Eve not feel the mask in her hands? Yeah, like, I would have been <laughs> like, wait, what the fuck is this wood I'm holding? Uh, I mean, I mean, to be fair, you felt the glasses and then you feel like the mask is like, okay, so I'll just see what this is. Okay, it's not my glasses, then I just take that away, and then I do that. You don't expect it to, like, transform you right away. She deliberately raises the mask to her face, though. Yeah. Girl, get a grip. Is she, like, even more blind than we think? Also, that face Eve makes is fucking horrifying. That was... (laughs) (laughs) That shit reminded me so much of Spongebob turning into the snail. Like, good God. You brought up Spongebob? I thought you were going to mention the face freeze episode. Oh, no. (laughs) It was giving me so much Klasky Kuspo energy. I'm not still. I'm not Milo. I think uh, after this, we cut back to Pretorius at the Coco Bongo and trying to uh, woo this cowgirl. And the story that she says, like, I'm trying to remember what it is. I think I wrote it down. Some guy dumped her and she became a cowgirl, basically. It sounds like the start of a sex worker line. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't help there's a wiener on the table. (laughs) Yeah, a wiener that comes to life with (laughs) experimental serum. So, uh, beef experiments. There, I said it. Yeah, yeah, lame experiments more like. Ah! (laughs) 
Waka waka. Ah. Yeah, and I know I keep bringing this up, but Pretorius in this was also kind of date rapey in a sense because there's this whole thing about him looking for a bride. And he tries to take women unconsciously back to his lair. Yeah, again, 90s. Yeah. To go further into that, um, it's because the grand plan that he has is he's going to use the comet to create a apocalyptic event big enough to literally kill everyone except for himself and his mate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's just like, Ironic name, Eve. Considering we shall be the Adam and Eve of a new superhuman race, born of my brilliant intellect and your mask powers. I mean, I'll say that is a good line. Don't get me wrong. Despite my misgivings about a lot of this show, Tim Curry is the one thing that makes most of it bearable. Yes. Even if some of his lines don't really hit as well. One thing that did kind of bother me a little bit about the episode is that they rightfully portray Eve being uncomfortable with Pretorius's fucked up advances and him trying to kidnap her and such as wrong. But somehow they're okay with just casually showing her being really forceful onto Stanley. Oh yeah, because in this scene... She literally slams his face into her cleavage. Yeah. Uh. I know that's supposed to be played for last, but... This is a kid's show. Must be a Bob show. Ta-da. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would you guys believe me if I told you that there may or may not be a fetish community based off of this entire episode? For real? I... I would not have believed you. If I had already known that there was a gadget fetish thing already, too. In all fairness, it's kind of more for the concept of women wearing the mask, but this episode kicked off a lot of fetishes, man. War flashbacks, man. War flashbacks. I can think of way more things that would kick off something like that than this shit. I mean, for what it's worth, I have met some great people in that side of the community, and they come up with a lot of pretty great, like, fan art and stories and everything, but for every good apple, there is a bad lemon. Like, okay, I love that we're pushing for more cartoony female characters and pushing for more female characters who are just insane. Like, I freaking love Della Duck. Yes! Agreed, yes. And I adore the Looney Tunes show version of Lola for that reason, but there's a line and I'm not going to be throwing a goddamn tantrum if I don't get a fucking scene where a woman's wearing a green mask just for my fucking fetish. Like, Yeah, because I've tipped Kit and Randy onto this community and it's not healthy. Like, for example, I've met people in this goddamn community who literally get pissy over the concept of of a transgender mask. Like, you are bitching about a male-to-female mask wearer in this franchise about a magical mask. Get some fucking perspective, you loser. You do realize that the mask can literally do anything, right? The mask is non-binary. You you realize that there is a really good chance that the mask is into dudes. Yeah! The mask is definitely bisexual. The mask could benefit more from a trans story because it literally brings your innermost desires to life. Imagine a trans man or a trans woman finding the mask. That's so cool! Yes. That would be a great way to reboot. Yeah, or a non-binary person too. That. Yes. Amazing. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I could easily see that being like some kind of Netflix show. It's literally right there. I mean, but also, I'm kind of worried that the 
corporations would screw it over, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Pretorius finds out about Eve, and he kidnaps her. Well, actually, he tries to kidnap her, but he takes Stanley instead. I gotta also say that once Eve starts really leaning into the just craziness of her character, she's a lot better. She really is, yeah. Like, I love when she just rips off UHF and just barges in dressed as Rambo. Like, that was amazing. I just wanted her to come in and say... Get away from him, you bitch! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Which, in all fairness, the mask does make that joke in an episode. Get away from her, you witch! I love how Pretorius just kind of takes the L and says, Fuck it, I'm proposing to Eve. And she beats the shit out of him for it. Yeah. To be specific, she takes out a giant purse and slams him across the face with it. Yes! Decapitating him, of course, and rightfully so. It reminded me a lot of the scene in The Rocketeer when Jennifer Connelly defeats Timothy Dalton and basically using her own movie trivia against him. Like, I always just live for stuff like that. What's the name of Gene Wilder's most iconic role? Uh, 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 Frankenstein? Eh, wrong! (laughs) (laughs) And then we finally do get Stanley in his mask form trying to defeat the Cobbit. And normally scenes like that annoy me where they take a little too long, where they're like... Oh, I'm going to do this entirely long comic scene. But this actually did kind of work for me where he just runs back home and starts pretending like it's the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One last meal. He gobbles an entire sandwich uh, shaggy style. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He calls Charlie and literally tells him to take the promotion and shove it up his ass. (laughs) Two things really quick. Before that happens, Stanley's trying to get Eve to just like ghost destroy the meteor or something. Like, gonna bring up Amy Rose again. Even if she knows, it's not a good time for this. I would argue that the sonic boom Amy Rose probably knows that even better. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, not to mention IDW, which I really wish they would just integrate into the games already. And uh, the second thing, I'm looking at the mask, going up to the meteor. Uh, well, comet, whatever. Just like, he goes up there, goes into a thinker pose. How to stop a speeding comet from destroying the Earth. And then the mask of all characters in all of fiction, the one that's the most creative in all of, like, media, is out of ideas. I know it's for the joke and the punchline and all that, but come on. I genuinely thought he was just gonna let everyone die. If he didn't do the plan he did, I honestly would have thought he might have just, like, brought out, like, a chisel and then just, like, gently, and then the whole thing just destroyed it, like a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I also did really like when the mask does confront Pretorius again and then Evelyn comes out with this giant gun and she finally gets her big moment. That was pretty fun. And before that, um, Pretorius brings out the robot that he had at the beginning of the episode, this time with Lord. <laughs> not lard sometimes you just need a little extra lubrication also refresh my memory how does the mask defeat the comet again he uses like a giant plumbing tube and like it goes in one end and goes out the other and goes into space Chekhov's plumber (laughs) so do we want to go into the ending of this episode yes yes Yes, we do Uh, okay, can you all agree that this is the worst part of the episode? Fuck, yes, fuck yes. yes. May I take the lead for this first? You have the floor. Okay, so, after all is said and done, Stanley and Eve go back to the apartment, 
Um, Milo is trying to entertain the dog. They're just, like, complaining about, um, each other's dogs. Stanley straight up says he wants to kill Eve's dog. Let's not forget about that. God! Dude! (laughs) I know he's being sarcastic, but... Uh, Yeah, and that's not even the reason why I hate this. Um, and so after that, we cut to when Stanley and Milo are just watching the comet together. Okay, if your relationship was so flimsy that your dogs broke you apart. There's such a thing as a dog sitter. Like, you could just bring them out to the dog sitter and then work on them bonding later. What is wrong with you? You know, here's the thing. The relationship wasn't that flimsy because you could see at the end they were having a good time with each other and they didn't need the mask. They were actually happy. Exactly! Granted, it wasn't really earned, but they were happy with each other. If they really wanted to, like, pull a trigger on this, should have been, like, a season one finale. Just, like, seeing Stanley finally get into a relationship and have something decent happen to the guy. You know, despite everything that happened in this episode, I actually wanted things with Stanley and Eve to work out. I wanted her to become, like, a recurring character. They were really setting up, like, a happy ending and also a female mask counterpart. Exactly! And they just threw them away. And I want to be clear for a second. If we actually got that mask sequel that Nintendo promised us, Tina would have definitely wore the fucking mask. Yes! Oh, shout out to the kid who won. Sorry, all you got was a sweater and some money. It would have been either her or Peggy, because what else would they bring Amy Yazbek back for? But no, this ending exists solely to just bring on the status quo that Stanley needs to remain a single loser just so he can keep the mask. Literally. Which, yeah, don't get me wrong, I still love the mask dearly. It is my comfort franchise, but... That is some bullshit right there. Let me just uh, put something into perspective. Like, this was made in the 90s, like, right after the movie came out. And cartoons back then, some of them had ongoing storylines. But then you get to 2009, and the start Phineas and Ferb, Adventure Time, Regular Show, and even now with Owl House, Amphibia. All these are successful franchises that... Maybe have similar tones at times to it, but maybe are more serious, which is fine. But they have, like, reoccurring storylines, and that doesn't screw them up. Like, you can pull a trigger on this, just, like, development of a story. You don't need status quo. Thank you, Simpsons, for fucking it up. Yeah, in addition, it felt like if they really wanted to set up a will-they-won't-they and they're kind of our enemies-to-lovers thing, it felt like what they needed to do was have either, one, even Stanley start off as kind of enemies, or two, have an actual fucking reason for them to start falling out with each other besides, oh, our dogs don't like each other. Just That might be one of the stupidest breakup reasons I've ever heard. It felt like what they wanted to do was like with Jimmy and Cindy or something. I don't know. Didn't they kind of just get together in season three of Jimmy Neutron? Yeah, they did. That was how they ended the show, didn't it? Yeah. Well, to be fair, they more so ended it with the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour specials. High recommendation there, by the way. Hell yeah. (laughs) Valid, yeah. We'll have to talk about those someday, I think. Hell yeah. Please bring me back on for that. That was my shit. Yes, me too. Also, fuck Butch Hartman, but I just gotta say, 
I still fucking love Fairly Odd Parents. Valid. And so then it still ends with Stanley and Milo watching the stars together, and he's like, oh, I guess all I need was Milo after all. And it's like, no fucking shit, Stanley. I don't want to hear shit about how single women are obsessed with cats ever again. If this is what single men are obsessed with. Also, one more thing about Stanley and Eve. They didn't want to break up. You could literally tell by the looks on their faces that they didn't want to do this. And yet they fucking did it anyway. They could have worked this out. This was fucking depressing. This is the perfect allegory of executive mandate fucking up a story. It really fucking is. Oh my god. I will admit the scene with Stanley and Milo looking at the comet was cute because because Milo gets to peek into the telescope. Because Milo's a good boy. I fucking love that dog. Oh my god. Milo's a good boy, even though he ruined this episode. (laughs) Well, it wasn't his fault directly. It was the fault of the overlords. True, true. Yeah. Nothing is ever Milo's fault on this show, or in the movie, or anywhere. Milo is a good dog, and I will literally take a bullet for that pop. Agreed. I can only think of one Jack Russell Terrier that's better than him. Wishbone. (gasps) Yes! Yes! Wishbone! You know, yeah. He's a, he's a relative. You know what? Jack Russell's just just Jack Russell's are all perfect. Yeah, he's so cool. I literally made like a school project on cereal about that guy. Yes. Oh man. So with this interesting episode that we've discussed, do we keep the tapes or do we burn them, Robert? Um, can I like burn half of the tape off? Uh, I gotta say, I agree. You know what? We'll make an exception. Instead of just doing, like, atomic laser burning the tape, I'll just, like, lightly charbroil it. Just enough that you know that it was cooked for, like, five minutes, but just, like, not enough to just, like, completely destroy it. So, medium well the tapes. (laughs) Yeah. What if they want theirs well done? Then we firmly but politely ask them to leave. You know, considering recently we have had topics we've been on the fence about, I think it is time we introduce a third option. Yeah. Oh shit, Tony Goldmark gonna come over here and- Tony, please don't kill us! We're gonna make Channel KRT history here, so... I think for this episode, we should put the tape back on the shelf and just forget about it. It was an episode that existed. It had its moments, but it was still very flimsy overall. You get narrowized. (laughs) You know what? This tape is going in the Savers donation box. (laughs) Yeah. Let it be someone else's problem. I'm going to say overall, I'm still going to give it a keep because everything else in the episode works and the series overall definitely has a lot of good things about it. I'd say maybe just cut off after Evelyn destroys Pretorius and then basically pretend that was the ending. (laughs) If they had just stayed together, for me, this would have been a pretty decent keep. If we are doing like uh, put it back, I'd probably just like charbroil the ending a little bit and (laughs) then put it back. It's just like, they'll never know the difference. Keep a little pink on the inside. All right, so we just made KRT history. We have a new option where we put the tape back. Yay! All right. And on that note, speaking of Channel KRT history, I can't remember the last time we've been to the Channel KRT tour store, you guys. Alrighty! There's so much merch for this cartoon! Somebody stop us! (laughs) Alright, so I'll go first. Here is my choice for the Channel KRT toy store. Here, let me pull it up. 
I am proud to present The Mask Cycle. <laughs> nice! You know, that makes Son of the Mask look worse by comparison because that looks fucking sick. <laughs> okay, so for the audience, we're going to post these on Twitter, of course, but... So, what I have here is a picture of the box for The Mask Cycle, which consists of Stanley as the mask on a motorcycle, which has this goofy green face on the hood... And, of course, because he's such a good boy, Milo has his own sidecar, and he's wearing the mask, too, for some reason. Also, what I'm seeing is, according to the box, Milo's sidecar is way cooler than the actual mask's. It is, because it's a fully formed dog face. Not only that, it chomps, and it says here, Bone, Blast, and Catapult. I imagine, like, the sidecar can catapult him. Yeah. And they're, like, advertising Milo, like, the most here with the exclusive Milo figure. <laughs> it's basically like the advertising for Son of the Mask, how it was all the dog. <laughs> and the mask's uh, face thing looks like if a frog had a pair of dentures. <laughs> It looks like an even worse Pepe. And apparently this was made by Kenner, who also made the original 1970s Star Wars action figures. Oh my god. This is a toy company that's, like, up there. Also worth noting that the mask on this box is the Jim Carrey one. So looking at this just fills me with a void of depression, thinking of the mask sequel we could have gotten, but didn't. Ah. Uh-huh. Thanks, Jim Carrey. I actually just looked up the mask toys on eBay, and um, there is a figurine of Pretorius's spider head. I'll show you here. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, oh, that's kind of sick. Oh my god! And I thought the thing looked horrifying. Oh man! If you thought Pez dispensers were horrifying, let me show you. Behold! Oh, oh my god! I saw that. The mask mask. So basically what it is, is the mask is just its own thing, but for some reason it already has eyes and teeth. And eyebrows, which the mask never had. Why? It's got like fucking Joan Crawford eyebrows for some reason. It looks like the fucking mask from Goosebumps, the Halloween mask. No, wire hangers. (laughs) This is supposed to mimic the scene where... The mask's eyes and tongue pop out. Also, the eyebrows are hollow. God, yeah, they really are. What the fuck? That's horrifying. Oh, jeez, it really is Joan Crawford. And he looks even more wrinkly somehow. It looks like he's like 50 years older. You know what? Just market this as a mommy dearest toy. Paint it white and then just be done. <laughs> yeah, seriously, uh, give that thing the cream from Little Big Mask. Uh, that'll fix <laughs> <Yeah>! that. <out. laughs> All right, so Robert, the floor is yours. Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. Like you had such a really shitty looking uh, face thing. Uh, I can only put in kind uh, the actual replica of the mask itself. That is, that is incredible. Sort of. I actually read the reviews of it though. I've seen this used before in mask fandom. Because, Robert, you showed me a different mask copy, and I think this is made from the same material. It's supposed to be resin. Apparently, this breaks so much easier. Oh, Robert, that's the one right there. Oh, okay. And it's- Oh, that one right there has a really shitty paint job. <laughs> made of latex. So, it's not even solid. It's literally a rubber mask. What a ripoff. Oh, that's terrible. Breathe it in, ladies and gentlemen. While I'm at it- <laughs> 
Yeah. Right here, baby. Nice. Like, is that like a really good one? Yeah, it's uh, it's from Real Art. I actually got this back in 2006. <laughs> And I gave it a not great paint job in middle school because I actually wanted to make a mask fan film. Aww. That thankfully did not get off the ground, but... Believe you me, um, I would love to get, like, um, like a mask prop myself. Just, like, one that's actually kind of sturdy, um... But do yourself, yeah, do yourself a favor. Just if you want something mask related, just get the Blu-ray. It has like a ton of cool special features. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. I don't know, man. I kind of want that Pretorius head. How much is it? Fifty dollars. I am not paying fifty dollars from that. You know what? I'll add it to the cart and think <laughs> about it. Cause I am like not sober right now, so <laughs> I should not be making purchases. All right, Robert, thank you so much for joining us, man. Is there anything you want to plug? Um, quite a few, actually, but I'll try to make it quick. This September, I'm going to be streaming Sonic games uh, for the 30th anniversary. Um, like, 1, 2, 3, Knuckles, CD, and Adventure 1 and 2, if I can. Um, and after that, the Legend of Heroes Trail series to lead up to the Crossbell games getting localized next year. But... I have an even more special project that I have not revealed to anyone until today. I'm going to be doing an every episode of Pokemon the series Diamond and Pearl reviewed in 10 words or two sentences or less. Because Ooh. some episodes deserve more than 10 words. Wow. Do it. And, and uh, this is going to be across four videos, most likely 30 minutes to an hour long each. I'm going to attempt... To finish it all by Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl's release, but I can't guarantee it. Good luck! And there is one last thing I would like to, at the very least, mention. Um, a Flash series on YouTube known as Mario and Luigi the Mask by Time Lord Paradox. Which I've seen. Yeah, it's very yes. good. <laughs> I, re I remember the guy who started that, Time Lord Paradox. He started that when I was in fucking middle school, and he also wrote a Simpsons mass crossover that's really good oh nice so you can find me over at the usual mission breakout on twitter mission breakout on discord my muppet twitter muppet vision underscore 3d uh you can find me over on various episodes of escape from vault disney podcast without a cool acronym the emperor's new podcast you can also find me making an actual mask mask as in you know face mask i'm honestly shocked i haven't ran across any of those yet one of our listeners, Ryan Walterson, actually does have a mask of the bottom half of Jim Carrey's mask. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, so shout out to you, Ryan. Just God bless you, man. Uh, you can find me at Cosmic Rewind on Twitter uh, with the E-Girl Sebastian profile pic, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out to our pal Marissa, who, who drew that, by the way. Yes! Yes! <laughs> You can also find me on a few episodes of uh, Escape from Vault Disney and the Emperor's New Podcast. And then you can find me smoking. Someone had to say it. Mar marijuana, that is. 
Alright, as always, you can find me on Twitter at TylerFG, Instagram at TylerFG96. You can find the podcast on Twitter at channel underscore KRT, channel KRT podcast, all one word on Instagram. In our Twitter bio, we have links to our Discord server and our Facebook group. And if you want to help support us, you can check out our Patreon, where we have exclusive minisodes, outtakes, and episodes of this very podcast one day early. And because I'm too lazy to think of a one-liner this week... Here's the mask VHS tape that my lovely girlfriend gave me for Christmas last year. Yes! Oh my god! Thanks, babe. I love you. Aww. You're the best. All right. Channel KRT cut to static.